Welcome. This is the second one in a series on the parables of Jesus. Dan Kim kicked it off last week, and uh, only Dan Kim can do all those PowerPoint presentations, so mine are nowhere near as complex, but, but welcome back. And today's parable is the parable of the sower, uh, the four seeds. And a parable is a figure of speech that conveys a spiritual truth that's illustrated by an analogy that's drawn from everyday experience. And Jesus used these uh, techniques when he taught. But it's interesting with, with this particular parable, it shows up in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you do a word search for parable, the word parable shows up first in the book. The first time it shows up is each time it's associated with this particular parable. And the disciples noted that because they said, Jesus, you know, why are you speaking in parables or could you explain this parable to us? Because what some commentators think happened was that at, some, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he changed his teaching style. And he started speaking in parables and his disciples noticed that and said, hey, Jesus, what's, what's up with this? And what probably was going on was that Jesus was drawing large crowds of people. Uh, I mean, why not? He was uh, providing free food, you know, with breaking of the bread and feeding the 5,000. He was providing free health care. He was healing people. And also, he was a likely candidate to be a political leader to rise up against the Romans. So people had their own agenda as to why they wanted to follow Jesus. But Jesus wasn't, he was more about, he was not just about feeding people and healing people and dealing with oppression. He was interested in proclaiming and promoting the kingdom of God, God's righteousness, God's rule on earth, and saving men and women. That was what his primary reason was. So when he spoke in parables, it was not so much to make his point clear. Many feel that it was to actually obscure the point because Jesus was trying to thin the crowd because he knew that not everybody was interested in his agenda. They had their own agenda. Like Dan Kim said last week, if you had an open mind and you listened closely to what Jesus said, the truth would be known. But if you had your own agenda, you wanted to, you know, your own way, then your heart was closed and you wouldn't understand it. Because the last phrase of what Carl said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said that to this large crowd in, in Luke chapter 8. And what that really means is Listen in, lean in, listen closely, pay attention. Just don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Carefully consider what I'm telling you. So after he said this, his disciples says, hey, what does this parable mean? So the disciples and a few other followers, a smaller group, had the privilege of hearing Jesus actually explain this parable. And as Dan Kim said last week, there's numerous parables, but there's only a handful that Jesus actually explained, and this happened to be one of them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, pick up where Carl left off and just read you the words of Jesus from uh, the version of the Bible called The Message. And uh, you can hear for yourself, right from the source, what the different soils are. And the seed is the Word of God. The seeds on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm does not go very deep. It's only another fad. And the moment there's trouble, it's gone. 
And the seed that fell on the weeds, well, these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money, and having fun. But the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there's a harvest. So there you have it. There's four types of soils, and there's four types of responses or four types of heart attitudes. So if you want to fill in on your bulletin, I'll provide you the, the answers to the blanks. The first is the, uh, the seeds along the path. That represents a hard heart. Those are people who hear what Jesus said, but it didn't sink in. They didn't understand it. They weren't interested in it. The second soil, the rocky soil, those are people that have a shallow heart. You know, they initially hear what Jesus says, they like it, but then when things start getting tough, they fade away. The seed among the thorns, these are distracted hearts. Jesus says they're choked out by worry and riches and, and pleasures of this life. So that person never brings forth any fruit in their life. And finally, the fourth soil, it represents those who have a receptive and devoted heart a receptive and devoted heart. They're willing to listen to what Jesus says and follow him, and thereby they grow, and they end up spreading God's word. They end up multiplying the words of Jesus. So the heart's a very important part. It's not that muscle in your chest. When I talk about your heart, I'm talking about the, the, the core of your being, the truest you, and it's a very, very important part of you. And there's a verse from Proverbs that... Uh, um, it's one that I go to all the time. It says, keep, vi keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. So you need to take a look inward to understand what's going on in your heart. And that's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to touch briefly on these four soils. I'm going to ask you to evaluate the condition of your heart. So I'm going to be throwing out a lot of questions, making a few points. So... Um, going to be a lot of questions, so just uh, you don't have to answer, but just uh, you can sit by quietly. The first one is along the path, the hard heart. Is your heart, is your heart hard? Excuse me. Now, this just does not apply to people who reject Jesus, all right? Even though in Luke's gospel, it talks about, you know, the devil come taking the seed so that people would not believe and be saved. But the other Gospels, when they refer to this parable, they just say that the people did not understand it. So as believers, we can also have a hard heart. We can have areas in our life where we just will not yield to what God's saying. Like, for example, how about in the area of money? I mean, you may read your Bible, you may pray, you may come to church, but you will not let God touch your money. It's interesting that one in seven verses in the Bible talks about wealth or money. It has a lot to say about how we should handle our resources. But is that an area of your heart that's open to God's word? How about your marriage? Do you treat your spouse with love and respect? Or do you withhold that because you've already made a judgment that your spouse does not deserve that? You have a choice. You can either follow God's word or not. But sometimes we harden our hearts. How about the area of forgiveness? You don't have to live very long on this planet before you have personal, uh, personal conflicts with someone. Someone hurts you, and you need to forgive them. And perhaps forgiving somebody is one of the hardest things you ever have to do. It's, it's completely unnatural. 
But we're commanded to do that because if we don't forgive others, Jesus won't forgive us. So what areas of your heart are hardened to God's word? The rocky soil or the shallow heart, this is kind of interesting. The, uh, uh, the rocky soil actually is a two-edged sword. Is The rocks in the soil actually absorb the, the heat from the sun, and that actually stimulates the seeds to grow. Have you ever noticed along like uh, early spring, uh, at least at my house anyway, the weeds, the dandelions pop up right along the driveway first or right along the sidewalk? It's because the sun is warming that uh, surface, and the heat is causing uh, that uh, seed to sprout really quickly. But the two-edged sword is even though it helps the seed sprout quickly, it, it inhibits or prohibits the, 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 the plant from having a root system that it can grow and, and sink in deep. And there's kind of a spiritual parallel to that, because a lot of people, when they hear the gospel, they hear Jesus' messages, there's some things that are very, very appealing. Like, for example, a lot of people know, you know, what happens to me after I die? Well, if I follow and trust in Jesus, I have life, eternal life, I have life in heaven. Well, who would not want heaven as opposed to hell? So people jump on board for that. Other people, they go through life and there's no purpose. You know, they get up, they go to work, they come home and get up and do the all over again. And, you know, what's the meaning? And Jesus said that he came, we might have abundant life. Well, sign me up for that. I want a purpose. I want a meaning. So people jump on that. Also, there's a lot of people who are very lonely. And when they hear that Jesus promises that they will never, he will never leave them or forsake them, hey, that really strikes, resonates in their heart, and they jump on board. But do you think people would respond to the gospel if, if we heard uh, these passages that Jesus said? He said, whoever does not carry his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's not a real way of winning friends and influencing people when Jesus says, come and die to yourself. Or he said, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. Are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? And even the Apostle Paul, he said, those people who want to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I don't know about you, I don't want to be persecuted. So what happens is a lot of people who make an emotional response to the gospel, who, who jump on and only hear certain parts, when trouble comes, when hard time comes, they fall away, just like the, the, the seed in the rocky soil doesn't have a deep root. The distracted heart. I had a hard time finding a slide with thorns, so, uh, so in case you wanted to know what worry, rich, the deceitfulness of riches, and... Uh, pleasures of this life look like. That's, that's, that's what they look like. But, um, but what's choking your heart? What's uh, choking God's word out of, of your life? What distractions do you face? Um, Jesus gave us three worries, riches, and pleasures of this life. Um, we all have worry. It's just a matter of how we handle it. If, if we've done everything we can do, if we've met all our responsibilities and obligations and we have not done anything immoral or illegal, there's really nothing more we can do about it except give it to God. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Sometimes we don't cast our cares on Him because we don't think God can take care of it. We have to carry those things ourselves when we don't. But when we carry them, we're basically telling God that we don't trust Him. Riches or the deceitfulness of riches. 
Uh, riches can trick us in two different ways. One is if we have an abundance, is that you know, we can have a pleasant, comfortable life, but that can dull our senses to our spiritual need, our spiritual hunger, and we become self-sufficient. Or on the other hand, if we lack resources, we become consumed and distracted by a better job, more money, more savings, more investing, and we miss out on the things of God. So in the area of riches, I just want to ask you a question. You know, what does your checkbook say about you? If you were to die and somebody to go looking through your checkbook, could they determine what your priorities were based upon the entries in your checkbook? Finances. I said that, you know, one in seven verses in the Bible talk about money. And uh, as long as I've been here to this church, we've never had a sermon about giving. So this is not about giving. This is just, again, think about yourself. But this is a, a, a pie chart of what should be a healthy budget. You know, you have some for housing, transportation, food, etc. Um, what does your financial pie chart look like? Is it uh, like in the area of personal and discretionary? Is that too big? Um, I mean, we all need housing, transportation, and food, but we don't need a 5,000 square foot mansion. We don't need a Lamborghini to get back and forth to work. And uh, food, we don't need to eat out every night. So we can put ourselves in a lot of financial trouble if we cannot distinguish between what we want and what we need. So a simple question, again, I'm asking questions to, just to probe your heart, is you know, um, what, um, do you own your possessions or do they own you? Do you have to work harder than you have to for what you have? Or are you content with what you have? And here's a shocking... A survey. This was in 2016, just last year. CBS News did a survey that said that 38% of households live paycheck to paycheck. And these are working households. So in other words, if the job goes away, they are in financial hurt. That would be a very distracting situation to be in. So how we handle our finances ultimately can affect our relationship with God. Pleasures of life, again, how do you spend your time? Where do you devote your time and effort for your, um, your hobbies, your interests? Uh, you spending too much time on the golf course? Tom? <laughs> um, what would your calendar say about you? Again, if, if you passed away and somebody pulled out your, I guess, hacked into your phone and looked into your calendar, what would they say? How do you spend your time? Could they determine that you are a follower of Christ? We have to keep in mind that we're, all of us, all of us will have to give an account of our lives to God. So we need to be careful about how we spend our time. And must have been tender to the things of God. Do you carefully cultivate what he's sown in your life? Do you remember what you're taught? Do you, or do you forget by the time you get in the car and drive home? Do you persevere and hold on to his word? Are you allowing his teachings to work in your heart and life to conform you to the image of Jesus? Are you a fruitful Christian? Are you spreading his word? Now, some people don't spread God's word because they're afraid they're going to be rejected. Well, in this parable, Jesus obviously had to deal with rejection. He told us there's four different soils. You're going to run across hard hearts. But when we share God's word, the response is not our responsibility. It's God's responsibility. Our responsibility is to be obedient, to be obedient and to share God's word. So... Jesus explained the 
this parable to his close group of friends, his, his disciples. And then he gave them a little, another little sermon, kind of like a follow-up message. So what I want to do here, there's three verses in Luke 8, uh, 16, 17, and 18 that I just want to touch briefly on uh, to kind of close this up. And I'm sorry about the text there. Um, the first point is, Jesus said in Luke verse 16, he says, Now no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. Now Jesus is changing the metaphor here. Instead of the seed being the word of God, he's talking about the light being the word of God. So what he's doing is he's... In John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. People of faith are going to be on display for the world. Others will be watching to see if our words, if our actions match our words. So we are to be doers of God's word, not only hearers. So another fill-in on your PowerPoint is, uh, or on your bulletin, excuse me, is we who believe in, in Christ receive his light or truth and we, in turn, are to reflect his light to others through our godly behavior. So the fill-in is we are to reflect his light to others through our godly behavior. Second point in the follow-up message was that, uh, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, for anything, for, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. The word hidden implies a deliberate act of concealment on our part. And a lot of us tend to... Jesus wants to make us more like himself. He's given us a new heart. He's given us his spirit. And when, our, when we study God's word, if we allow it, he can renew us and make us more and more like him. Nothing in our lives is hidden from God. So the point here in your fill-in is self-deception is possibly the most dangerous way in which we can hide because it prevents us from knowing that we need to change. So when you look at God's word, be careful to look at your own heart. Nothing is hidden. All your motives, all your agendas, they're known to God. And we need to come face to face with that and let God's word point us in the direction that we need to go. Third point is, so take care how you listen, for whoever has to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. When we understand and act on what we know to be the truth, we will receive more truth. If we ignore what we know is true, even what we have will be taken away or simply leave us. In other words, use it or lose it. If you're studying or trying to read God's Word and it's not making any sense to you, it might be that there's something very obvious that God expects you to be doing and you're not doing it. So there's no reason for Him to give you any more truth. So be careful what you read. Be careful to apply it. Yeah, I'm sorry. The the passage. uh, This passage teaches the obedience to the light we have ensures we will be given more light. Disobedience will dim and then darken it. So obedience to the light that we have ensures we will be given more light while disobedience will dim and then darken it. 
In summary, again, that's a big fill-in on the bottom. I just want to go back and just touch on different elements of the, of the four soils. And we need to have receptive hearts. That's the first blank. We need to have receptive hearts that allow, us, that allow God's Word to take firm root. Our hearts also need to be free from distractions to be able to embrace Jesus' message with perseverance so that it may produce its intended effect in our lives. I know that's a mouthful, but that's uh, kind of a summary. The bottom line is the fruitfulness of a believer is going to be dependent upon the condition of your heart. Do you have a hard heart towards God? Is it kind of rocky? Is it distracted? So, as far as an application, you know, I can't do this for you. I have a hard time doing it for myself, but we all need to examine the condition of your heart. You have the four choices, and all I just want to say is if, you know, if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, I just want to make it clear that, uh, you know, he's willing and able to welcome you as you are. It's a matter of faith, trusting in who he is, what he did, his life, death, and resurrection. It's by faith only. There's nothing that we can do by works to earn uh, the right to become the son or daughter of God. It's a choice that we make. So if you haven't followed Jesus and would like to know more about that, please let me know. And if you do follow him, he'll give you a new heart or give you his spirit that will help you follow him. It'll help you in the difficult times. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, and we're probably all bounce around between the four different soils, but if you've wandered away, if you've been distant with God, you may be a thousand miles away, I just want you to know that God is gracious. He's merciful. It's only, even though you've gone a thousand miles away, it's only one step back. So if you need to do business with God right now, I ask that you do that. Uh, I'm just going to close this in prayer, and the worship team can come forward. Dear Holy Father, we come before you. We give you thanks that 